0: All right, in five, four, three, two, one. What is up, guys? And welcome to another episode of Guanajuato Vision, the first ever podcast dedicated to Paraguayan football in English. As always, I'm Roberto Rojas, and joining me are my two great co-hosts, Federico Perez and Ralph Hanna. And guys, here we are. It's finally July. Hard to believe right here in the middle of the summer, you know, it's sad that usually during this month, you know, obviously every four years, there is the Women's World Cup and we were so so gutted that Paraguay we can't talk about them this time around but of course it will be starting in a couple of weeks so keep your eyes on that but here we are speaking about Paraguayan football yet again. Uh, another new episode. We're actually getting close to the magic number of 100 guys, almost nearing 100 episodes of Guarani Vision, which is insane given the fact that we've done this for quite some time. But we are edging close to that. So keep an eye on that. Let's see what we can do for Magic 100. But here we are speaking about what's going to be happening in the Lira Tauris and the Sua Americano. We got some teams from Paraguay trying to find out who they will face in the round of 16, the playoff rounds and also what happened to one team who couldn't even get into any certain competition. We'll talk about who in just a little bit. And of course, the Clausuda is back. The 2023 Clausuda of the Paraguayan League is back in action. We're going to see Who's going to be in charge? Can Libertad continue their dominance as champion or will someone else try to go in there and spoil the party? But let me get into my co here and speak about it right now. Let's go to Fede Perez, who, you know, he was talking about how he has that James Harden look with that beard and he wasn't, you know, obviously fooling around when it came to it. I think you look like a front man more than System of Down, if that's the case. But uh, uh, Fede, man, how are you? It's good to get to see you back after not seeing you last week, actually.
1: It's good to be back, Roberto, and hi to you, hi to Rob. hi to everybody listening uh, always to What a Need Vision. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on with this beer. Like, every week I look like somebody different, to be honest. It's 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 a surprise every week, the comparisons I kind of get. The, the, the last one that you threw at me, I, I was not waiting for that one. I got to put that picture, my picture, and the, and the system of a down guy right next to it to see just how similar I look right now. But, yeah, we got so much to look forward to, right? I mean, uh, up until yesterday, everybody's uh, head was around the, the draw, the Libertadores draw, especially Olympia fans. Uh, they were really, uh, you know, their expectations were really high towards trying to get a, a weak team, I think. But it did not happen. It did not go that way. They actually have to play against the last champions, Flamengo, and, you know, Olympia fans, they didn't take it the best way. We definitely got to talk about that reaction from the Olympia fans, talk about the reaction, our reactions after seeing what happened in that draw. Uh, our heads are also going to be in the Sudamericana because we got Libertad, we got one I need surviving there. Uh, unfortunately for Central Porteño, the international year is over and we do kind of have to do a balance there. We have to look back at what happened to them, what's going to happen next because they actually got a couple of good signings for the Clausura, and that's pretty much all they have right now, the Clausura and the Copa Paraguay. They have to aim at those two tournaments. And, yes, the Clausura is back. We have the second tournament of the year They're coming up this weekend, and a lot of teams uh, actually had a lot of signings. And most of all, I would say, Roberto, a lot of teams had a really hard time trying to get a big sign. If you look at most of the teams, I mean, it was really hard for, these, uh, for the teams in first division in Paraguay to, to get a big signing. I, 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 I'm actually curious to talk about that situation, just financially where the teams right now in Paraguay stand in, in that situation. You know, you see what happens in Brazil, you see what's going on in Argentina after COVID, after a couple of years of that situation, you know, financial, uh, situation is kind of stabilizing in South America, but it does not seem that way here in Paraguay. And that's actually catching my attention because we have a strong league, but apparently we cannot bring in uh, uh, play- players that cost too much, or at least the big teams have not signed them uh, for the second half of this season. But we do have to talk about what's coming up, what happened in that draw, and yeah, the Olympia fans' reaction. That was, that was a big one yesterday.
0: Yeah, it certainly was. We'll get into that. I want to go to Ralph here first. I do want to switch gears for a second about something about players abroad because here we are speaking, I think, on the night after. Uh, we saw, I was actually watching Racine Salarenzo the other day, and, you know, everyone was thinking about seeing the Paraguayans there, and one player who did score was Adam Baredo, who's had a fantastic year in Argentina but hasn't had a sniff of the national team, or at least there hasn't been a lot of been calls and, and, like, you know, claims of wanting him to be there too, but also one name that certainly has gotten... A lot of attention and also getting interest from big clubs in Argentina like Independiente and Estudiantes is Alex Arce, who is currently, if I'm not mistaken, the top goal scorer of the second division in Argentina, the Torneo de Primera Nacional, over there playing for Independiente Rivadavia de- Riva So certainly it's uh it's interesting to see that for you know all the attention is really given to to a lot of Paraguayans abroad, especially given the fact that in here in two months' time we've got the World Cup qualifiers. So I'm sure Guillermo Roscalotto is trying to figure out who are the right players to keep in mind, who are the ones to to really get on their squads for those teams, for those games come uh in the next two months in September.
2: Yeah, that's right, Roberto. Hi guys, hi everyone. I mean, it's the missing piece for Paraguay because in the qualifiers they they weren't able to score goals. So what they're looking for now is who can be the goal scorer. And right, they've got Julio and CISO. But who do they have as kind of the classic striker and uh, this Alex Arce that you mentioned is, is scoring a lot of goals, but not in top division. Then you have people like uh, Adam Barreiro, who's, who's always been kind of hanging around those like fans of the show. or remember we, we spoke with his older brother, Freddy. Freddy Barreiro is the Zorro. This is Zorrito, the little fox. Um, and he's, he's played in Europe. He's currently doing well in San Lorenzo. So that's another name. We have Federico Santander, who's actually the top scorer in the Copa Sudamericana as we go in to talk about Guarani later. So there's a lot of players around, but there's not really any standout striker other than maybe Sanabria. But as we were talking about with Sanabria, he didn't come to the, to the squad for the last call-up. So there's always his doubts about Sanabria's maybe commitment to the... To the national team and then i'll just throw in another name you got a kid called lesme fernando lesme who is doing quite well in costa rica he's only 20 years old but he's a he's a tall big striker he's just moved to celaya his agent's the same guy that took diego gonzalez to lazio so if you remember diego gonzalez made that same kind of uh projection or or, or route so then there's someone else following that route so keep an eye out on lesme you never know he might he might be in the picture in a year or so
0: Certainly, all the talk really about who's to come to play for Paraguay in the next two months as another World Cup qualifier begins. But we'll get to that when we need to. But let's switch to what really what happened uh, over there in the last few days. Obviously, the Copa Libertadores group stage ended. And obviously, the one team that will be participating in this competition is, of course, the most successful one from Paraguay, and that is Olympia. Olympia finished off the group. Uh unbeaten, four wins, two draws. They topped it off at home in Palahona winning four one on the day. A early goal from Alejandro Silva in the second minute, two goals from Paiva, and then Fernando Cardoso. Fernando Cardoso having a, a really good Copa Libertadores as well. Uh but Paiva really getting his fourth goal in the competitions, really in the discussion for the for the top goal scores. Obviously, the top goal scorer right now is Paulinho with seven, but then it's followed up by a like, I think like four more before heading to Paiva. So he's getting into that discussion as, as, a, as a really important player for Olympia. But the one thing to talk about now is obviously the groups, the uh, the round of 16 draw, because they couldn't have gotten, like you said, Fede, they were thinking about getting someone like a weaker team, like maybe a, a Deportivo Pereira, maybe a Nacional, even a Bolivar, or even in Atletico Nacional, they could have played them again just like they did in the group stage, but no, they get Flamengo. Flamengo, as you know, the defending champions who ironically finished second in their group. They finished second uh, right behind Thrasing, you know, just finishing off with two points, even though they lost the same amount of games, but because of a virtue of of less ties, Rossing was able to finish up with 13 points, whereas Flamengo finished with 11. So they got really... I would say maybe with Athletico Mineiro and probably River really Plate, the worst of the draw. And of course, the defending champions is certainly difficult to, to play against. But I mean, I think for Olympia fans, I think certainly they couldn't have asked for a worse draw. Yes, it's not the same Flamengo as before. You know, this is a Flamengo side that's been through a few different changes of managers. Here they are now with Jorge Sampaoli, obviously a familiar name to anyone uh, familiar with South American football so this is someone that is very much um, a different style in comparison to what Olympia has with Diego Aguirre so I just want your thoughts on how Olympia can really get through this yes they they do get to play uh, the second leg at home which could be an advantage for them especially if you know obviously if they do badly in, in Brazil, you know, getting that home crowd, and we've seen it before in a lot of Olympia games where kind of that mystique of having the home crowd and the is a packed defensoras might help them out, but um, no, I just want your thoughts on this, and can Olympia do it? Can Olympia really have a chance against this really tough Flamengo side?
1: Well, guys, yeah, obviously we got to talk about the reactions here. Uh, Olympia fans were definitely waiting for a totally different draw. I mean, if, if, you, uh, if you made a list of the, prob- of, of the of the of the teams that the fans wanted to face, uh, obviously Flamengo is probably one of the last ones, right? I mean, I think it was River and Flamengo, the teams that Olympia fans did not want to go up against, especially because Olympia is on this financial race. Also, they, they need to make money, so it's not just about getting to the final. It's not just about winning the Libertadores, which is obviously what the fans want again after so many years, after being in that final in 2013, but for Olympia, it's also a race to, to try to make as much money as they can this year, and in that sense, it's been totally successful this year, at least, you know, they, they haven't sold many players, they, they try to maintain the base of players, and they even brought a, a pretty good coach, a, a coach that's that's also, um, uh, he's not a cheap coach, I mean, I know he has a really good contract, and they brought him for this, they, they brought him for the Libertadores, they brought him because he has the experience, so uh, this is a stage where he has to really show his stuff, and he, they have pretty much uh, what a month to get ready for this game. So I think that's pretty good time. It's it's enough uh, for for the strategy to get players back, especially some that are injured. See if Dani's González can play that second game against Flamengo. That would be that would be huge. And uh, yeah, there are rumors about players that could leave. Facundo Brera, Paiva, they got offers on the table. But we just don't know what's going to happen with them, to be honest. Uh, I think Olympia is right now on their best mo- moment with Diego Aguirre. These last four or five games, have, they really looked like they got their steps together. And they got the momentum. I mean, the, the game against Atletico Nacional and this last uh, game in the group stage was just fabulous for them, especially playing at home. And they got that atmosphere. And when you have that going, when you have the fans by your side, I mean, you can create something special. And I think that already happened with them in 2013. That's why everybody here is talking about the coincidence, Roberto. Everybody, all the Olympia fans are talking about that situation. You see it on Twitter. You see it on social media. uh, And and, and fans are are, are, are with that. I think the craziest one I heard yesterday was uh, Aguirre has the same letters in his last names, that Pompido, that Almeida, and Cubilla had. Seven letters. I mean, that's how crazy Olympia fans are going right now into the comparisons about, uh, you know, coaches that have already made history in Libertadores and trying to uh, do the, the same special thing with, with Diego Aguirre. Uh, that, that's something that's building up here, obviously, also, with Olympia, because they are the only team in Libertadores, and they really get the fans excited. I mean, they had a tremendous group face, and they just evolved as a team. Right now, I think it's, it's the best time to face Flamengo. Bring on the test, just like Alessio uh, said, uh, I, I believe in his stream, uh, right as the draw was happening. I mean, he, he didn't look concerned about facing Flamengo. He said, we're going to have to face this team eventually. Why not now? Let's see what we're made out of.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's the... these. It's like you said, it's better. These are the games you have to play if you want to win the title and... and... People from the outside might think this is crazy, but Olympia really believe they can win the title. You mentioned Ale Silva; he he said this is this is like the obsession, this is their main focus. And there's all these the crazy coincidences that we're talking about. But also, they have a fairly good record against Flamengo, relatively. They they've only lost once at home uh, in the four games they played in Libertadores, which is 2021, which which was a a big defeat for one, but other than that, they've won twice in Asuncion and they've drawn once. So they will feel as long as they don't lose the, that first leg by by huge amount. If they can, if they can even be one goal down from the first leg, they will feel they have a chance when they bring it back to Asuncion. And and like Fede's is talking about, the whole atmosphere around the club is is totally different to say. Well, even a year ago, I think a year ago they were going through their different managers. You know, they the, they were they were kind of struggling around. They weren't sure if they're going to do anything in in Clausura, and then they ended up winning, of course, Clausura, which which got them here to the uh, to the um, uh, to the Copa Libertadores to be able to to play this. And yeah, they had an easy run for sure. But what's interesting is I think it took Aguirre some time to get the team working. If we look at their last four games, which they've won, they've also won the last three by at least three goals. So they're really starting to come into a good run of form just at the right time with the Lis Gonzalez to come back. So there's kind of a lot of positives around Um, It's I mean, it's a Flamengo team also that I think they're fourth in Brazil at the moment, the they're fourth, but they're a long way off top. They're a long way off Portofogo. They're doing very well. That's another Paraguayan. We should talk about Mati Segovia, but that's for another day. Um, but you know, this isn't the Flamengo that's, that's kind of been running away and bulldozing teams that maybe we saw before. So there's a chance. There's a definitely a chance in there. And this could be, should Olympia get through this, this is possibly the hardest game they would have. Maybe Palmeiras is, is the other, but this could be the hardest game they face until they get to the final. So it's a a massive chance, I think, for Olympia.
0: Well, looking at who they would face if they do win, they would have to take on the winner of Fluminense and Argentinos Juniors. So definitely two tricky teams. But hey, if they can get past Flamengo they uh, definitely have a chance of saying that, hey, maybe they could start to believe. But like you said, Fed, all these coincidences, I just saw one the other day, actually. Olympia has always won the libertadores the years that they eliminated the defending champions. 79 with Boca, 1990 with Nacional, and 2002 with Boca. So, hey, who knows? Maybe the fourth one is coming if they do it this time. But again, it will be a difficult task. Obviously, game will happen in the first week of August. So we'll definitely keep an eye on that as it comes, as we switch gears to the Lirata, the Suamericana, where we have two sides facing each other uh, in the um, in the match. And it's really in the fact that we have two teams, really one is waiting and one will have to face because we do have a Libertad side that will be taking on Tigre. You know, that's that's in part of the knockout round playoffs with the winner playing a very tricky Brazilian side in Fortaleza. Uh, always a, a tricky side to face. But, you know, Tigre is also a team that has kind of been, you know, right there always kind of, you know played paraguay teams in the past. I remember these games before, so it's not certainly a a an easy task. Whereas for Guarani, they have to wait on the winner of Patronato, you know, a Patronato side that again it was in the second division, is in the second division, coached by Facundo Sava beforehand. And Botafogo, probably the best team in Brazil at the moment. So certainly for both and I'll go to Ralph on this one, certainly for both Libertad and Guarani, they don't exactly have very accessible ties, you would say, to to get into the round of 16, even if Libertad were to win. But for Guaraní's case as well, if they do await the winner of either well, Patronato or Botafogo.
2: Yeah, it's right. I was looking, as the draw came through, I thought, wow, the Sudamericana is looking kind of good this year. I mean, often at the Sudamericana, you, you sometimes feel it's it's a lot of weak teams in there. It's not too... Too much competition. But I was like, whoa, there, there's some really strong sides here. I would put Libertad in there as one of the strongest sides. Um, and, and I think we'll get some good games and some good competition. I mean, for Libertad, it was, it was disappointing, of course, that they're here. I think it kind of went how we talked about on the podcast, that they were able to score. And as soon as they scored uh, in their final group game, the their opponents equalized, and suddenly, you know, the chances of winning by two goals were evaporated away, and that's why they they're in the and not the Libertadores last sixteen. Um, but we know Libertad has such a strong team for now. For now, there's been lots of rumors about maybe players will have to leave because of some of the you know the sanctions and that kind of thing. But for now, they're holding on to everybody. You're gonna have, you're still gonna have um, Tito Vialbe. You're gonna have Lorenzo Melgarejo. You got Roque. You have got Taquara. I mean, they have such a strong team. Diego Gomez, for now, is still at Libertad. There's lots of interest in him from abroad. But but at the moment, they they look very strong, and you would expect them to to have enough, I think, to to get past uh, Tigre. Then it gets difficult with all the Brazilian teams like like we talk about. And yeah, for Guarani, it's a waiting game. It's uh, I would guess it's more probable they end up with playing against Botafogo, which will be the return for Matias Segovia. Now we can talk about him. He will. Return against his his old club, Guarani, uh, to to face each other. And for Guarani, we saw like in the in that final game where it really counted against Huracan at home. They they did well. They won. I think under Pompido, they they've started to bring a lot of people. Um, they're starting to bring a lot of players in, and I think Pompido is a very what's the word like. Uh, He's a very astute coach tactically, so I think for these kind of cup games, he, he will be interesting as well. But it's uh, yeah, it's, it's not an easy run for either, and I think that that speaks to the the Sudamericana just how strong it's got this year.
1: Yeah, I would say, guys, you know, I don't think we've seen just what Pompido can bring to this one year yet, just because in that last game, I think it was a lot. Had a lot to do with with the last manager, the team that he was that he kind of built up, um, and they kind of thought that, or their mind their mindset was just we we need to get the job done right against Urakan, get through, get to the next stage, and and they really they did a really good job playing at home, uh, and I think they have really good players, especially if they can keep Federico Santander. If they don't keep them, they're gonna have to look for a replacement, and it's gonna kind of be a uh, a last-moment uh, sign, right, a last-minute sign because uh, he's not going to do the preseason with most of the team. He's not going to know most of his teammates. So it, it would totally be uh, the perfect scenario for what I need right now is just to be able to get a, a new loan for at least six months for Federico Santander, who, who can also play in Italy if the team wants him there. I know there's a new project, uh, obviously, the European season. Is gonna start uh, sometime soon. So they're thinking if they if they want to to keep Federico Santander there for the season, or if they want to give him back uh, to Guarani. I think uh, Jorge Morel is also working with Guarani right now as he tries to solve his situation. Back. Yes, brother. Yes. Yeah.
0: All right.
1: Three, two, one. It, the, the situation with Federico Santander is just, uh, I believe, uh, the most important situation right now, just to see if Guarani can keep on moving forward and evolving as a team right now. Um, Camacho got back into shape right right on time, and he's going to be able to compete. Hopefully, uh, in the second half of the year, they, they lost the, the center back, which is, uh, I think, a leader in that locker room, even though he wasn't playing much lately. I'm talking about Marcos Cáceres. But you have a whole bunch of young players that it's going to be interesting just to see where they can get to in this in this international stage. But yeah, I think Guarani, they, they, they took a step forward and and pretty much they did what they had to do in these first six months, which just get through the in the Sudamericana and for Libertad, I mean, Libertad fans, uh, I, I think they shouldn't be happy with this team. I, I think they should, they should want more out of this, uh, out of this roster. I mean, this team had enough to stay in Libertadores. Yeah, we talked about it several times. Two Brazilian teams in your group stage—that was the hardest task for Libertad. But they lost uh, key matches to teams they shouldn't have lost, and uh, I think that's going to be the big bargain on this team if they don't get through the latter stages of this Sudamericana. They they deserve to be there. They have the team to be there. They're the last champion uh, of the Paraguayan League, so I am expecting for this team to make it through Tigres and through at least one of the many Brazilian teams that have falling into the Estuda Americana. I think that have it in them, and I think they can easily make it to the top eight, t- top four of, of the Sudamericana, Americana, which is what I'm expecting really from them. I, I think they can get their stuff together. Uh, Bautista Merlini is a player that's going to come back uh, to the team probably in the next couple of weeks. He's been injured out o- almost all year, but he's coming back. The same thing happened with uh, Varedo, who came back also on those last games, on these first uh, last, uh, on these first. Uh, on these last couple of games, right before the end of the of the first semester, so he, uh, Garnero is getting players back.
0: And of course, one team that unfortunately disappointed us in the Copa Libertadores was a team that I think a lot of us had hopes for over the last few weeks, covering them and seeing how they would do in the Libertadores. And that was Cerro Borteño. Cerro Porteño unfortunately will not be participating not just in the Libertadores but also the Sudamericana, as they failed to get any result. They needed to get a result in Guayaquil. Against Barcelona the Guayaquil. They had a fantastic first half. Two goals from uh Damián Borbadia and then from Claudio Aquino. But then it all fell to pieces when Corozo and Bauman scored the penalty to leave uh uh Guayaquil with a point, meaning that Cedro finished dead last in their group. And and Fede, this is an embarrassment yet again for Cedar Porteno. I think. Everyone was hoping that maybe they could have done something in the Americana, not just because for them, it's a big more boost, but they, they're losing a lot of money. You know, this is a side that I think as well has been dealing with a lot of like, I wouldn't say financial issues, but certainly something that they they expected to cover a lot of their debts playing in the Lira Tauras and and of course, playing further, be it in the Americana or whatever. But now they fall flat on their face and it's it's completely insane how it's been kind of a 180 really where... Cerro Porteño under Facundo Sava had this really good start in the um, in the and even in the in the Apertura. And then over the next few weeks, the tables have just completely turned. Where you know they ended up losing the Clausura, uh, the the Apertura. Now they're out of the of every competition that you can think of in the in the international stage. Meaning that for them. And we're gonna get into the club suit in a bit. It's it's an obligation for them to win it, and, and it's it's really the requirement. And yeah, they have Copa the way, which is a title that they haven't won as well. But you can only say that there's a lot of people really pissed off on on Cerro Porteño and you know what they can do moving forward. They 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 brought in some transfers. They they, they try to bring in some smoke screens to, to hopefully please the fans. But it's just it's not been going well for them now, and I, I question. Whether or not Facundo Sava will have the the energy or even the the board at Cerro Porteño will even have the the patience to deal with him uh, for the remainder of the year.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be so worried about Facundo Sava's situation just because he's been in the club only, what, five months so far. I I think they'll give him more time to try to work on this team. But yeah, obviously Cerro Porteño has to win the clausura now after being embarrassed in their group stage. Uh, you, you you said it that last, and that was definitely not the spot that fans wanted to see this team. That's not the spot I, I think this team deserves in this group. So then you got to look at why this happened. And that's where fans are thinking, who are we going to blame? Are we going to blame the front office? Are we going to blame the coach? Are we going to blame the players? Um, you know, I, I think it has to do a little bit with all of them. Uh, the front office, the way they, they they handled the situation at the beginning of the year, the roster, the, the way they put it together, you, you, you could see that several needed certain players at, at certain moments, especially when they got a couple of injuries in defense, they, they could never fi- uh, figure out that situation. Same thing in midfield. I mean, Rafael Carrascal playing in this very important game when, you know, he hasn't showed up uh, much of this season in the last two years. One of the players that has been criticized a lot. So that was actually a surprise to me in, in what Sava also did in this very important game. I mean, he had a couple of weeks to set up this match. So you were thinking from the strategy point of view, from the way he was going to set it up, uh, you know, the, it, it was going to be a, a very important part of the game. And uh, I don't think Sabah did, did a good job in that situation either. He, he He's unexperienced, guys. I mean, he, he he's, this is his first time in the Libertadores. This is his first time outside of his country. So, you know, for a coach like him, uh, I'm actually waiting for uh, for him, expecting for him to make mistakes along the way. But he never really figured it out in, in the way that his team played. Yeah, good 45 minutes. Same thing happened against Palmeiras. You ended up losing that game. That embarrassing that that embarrassing game against Bolivar at home is something that fans are not going to forget all year round. So it's not going to be easy for Central Peruvian to turn the page around that quickly, especially because they don't have the international stage anymore. And you have Olimpia on this run in Libertadores, which is something that's not good for them either, because here in Paraguay it's all Olimpia and Central Porteno. So when one team is doing well and the other one is not doing well, uh, yeah, the criticism and and everything in the locker room. Uh, you feel it even more. So I don't know how they're going to do it. It was seriously rough. I mean, the signing so far, I don't know what we're going to see out of Alan Benitez. He did not play at all. These last couple of months in the MLS. Cecilio, me is talking about a a player that had a lot of trouble outside of the country. Uh, I don't know what we're going to see out of him either. Uh, I mean, no signs, no signing. So ever. And that, you know, that can fulfill what the fans are actually waiting and no, no good sign so far in, in, in a place where they have to figure it out, which is the center back. I think fans are still waiting for that defense there, that that, that, that deep, that defender that can really solve the situation back then with the being out pretty much all year.
2: Yeah, that's right. I mean, firstly about the game and, and, Against Barcelona, I think we talked about it the the show before that the problem with Cerro heading into that match is they just weren't winning games and they weren't finding a way to win games. And so even when they're 2-0 up uh going in at half time, they still couldn't get the result. And I think that speaks a lot about the whole mentality and, and everything that's been happening for the last two months or so with, with Cerro, they just can't quite find that what what's the word? Like that that spark to get them going again. Like because as you mentioned, Roberto, they were doing well when Sava first came in. Now they don't get much of a rest because we're recording today and they play on Sunday against Guayreña at home and it, and it all starts again with the clausura. So they really haven't had much time to try and get things together. And like Fede says, I mean, the the two major signings at the moment are kind of players that come back. And, and often when players come back, they don't always have the same impact. Um, you know, Sergio Diaz has come back two times. <laughs> cerro never really had the same impact he did at the beginning. Um, they they have they've moved in for Melgarejo, right? The the for the defender. So that's one player they're looking at. But again, it's not like a star defender that you're expecting to really make a big change. It's not going to be it's not going to fill, I think, uh, Patinios Patinios place. And then. With Cerro at the moment, who is who's actually doing really well. The the part of the club that's doing really well is the De- Diego Gavilan's reserve team, who they're in the under twenties Libertadores at the moment. So there's probably an eye there and thinking, is there any players we can we can promote to the first team? But again, just off the top of my head, I can't think of any defenders that are doing well in that team that you would necessarily promote. So it's that's going to be the the big issue of how to fill that gap. Which we which we're talking about Patino, but also it goes back to Duarte. So since he moved to Russia, we haven't seen someone fill that that space. And of course, now on top of that, they don't have the money to be able to bring in someone big because, like Roberto was saying as well, they don't have the financial kind of um, benefits that you're going to get from from playing Copa Sudamericana or Copa Libertadores. So it's a, it's a really that was a really disappointing result for Cerro, and it, and it just sends them into a very difficult time because yeah, they have to. I mean, pretty much they have to win the league or they have to get a very good points total to get into the Libertadores next year. And by getting the good points total, we mean they'd have to be second and and very close. So maybe just getting pipped to the title. So they they really need to have a great season and they're shaping up not to have one to to end up the year. So it's a a difficult time. Just to mention really fast
1: about the... Four out of their five signings so far are all comebacks. Alan Benítez, Cecilio Dominguez, Fernando Romero, and the last one is Santiago Arzamendia. Rodrigo Melgarejo is the only new face around, but he's a really young center back. that we'll see eventually if he gets a starting role in this team.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that's that's gonna be interesting as we as we go into our discussion about the Clausura, Because as we know, on the day of recording, the Clausura begins today. We see the the uh the second half of the Paraguayan league happen and you know, I, I think certainly this is going to be where we're going to have a bigger test, because, of course, you have three of these teams participating in competitions outside of their um, local league, Libertad, Guarani, and Olympia. But, of course, you know, this might be a, a perfect opportunity for a team like Sera Bortena who don't have anything to play for, who are obligated to to win this. And, and even for them, I think they, they understand that they need to get something to go into Leo Duarte's next year because you know as as of course as we look the the first four teams in the in the aggregate table basically go to the Libertadores. Right now, Lira Tauras is leading the way as champions with 51 points. Sero Bortenho, second place with 41. They would be going into the group stage if the tournament ended. Sportivo Trini then said, ironically enough, in third place after a fantastic season uh, with 38 points, they would be qualifying to the second stage of the Tauras, which for a team that just got promoted would be incredible, really incredible to see uh, them and, and the work that, you know, someone like Jose Arrua is doing. Looking in fourth place, you have Guarani over there, in the, in the first stage of Leader Towers. Then looking at the Suamericano, you have Nacional Almeriano, another team that's always been out of a surprise package. And Olimpia, because remember, Olimpia also had a, a really terrible uh for their standards, Apertura. And so they kind of want to like dig deep and, and really try to get the results that they need to. Looking at the at the um at the aggregate table for the for the relegation race, you know, you have Taquari and Resistencia over there. Uh, and then you know, Guareña and General Caballo de Juan Leo Marquez, just right outside. So, I mean, Ophelia, I'll go to you on this one. I mean, what are your expectations for this clausura? And, you know, I, I think everyone can really say that these are always the the big tests for teams that have a lot of depth and a lot of, um, not issues, I would say, but certainly if they're able to really manage themselves in different competitions. You think with for Cedros' case, even if they did have... Not exactly the season they wanted to. I think can this be like a silver lining for them heading into the Clausura and see them as favorites to to win it?
1: Yeah, totally. They need to save their year and they've been so close these last couple of tournaments. Libertad has taken away from them. Olympia on uh, the Clausura, so yeah, they, they they have that depth, I believe, with with their fans and. You know, in that locker room, I think they feel it that that they need to win something this year. If not, I don't know how many of those players are going to come back for, for 2024. Even, you, you know, you hear the fans, the potential fans, and they're like, get rid of all these players. Let's bring new ones already now. But it's just not that easy, right, to clean up the locker room after so many years and with contracts so big. So, Serro is not the kind of team that does that. We do have smaller teams that that go through that situation, that go through that process, Uh, like Guaireña did it. I think Canedal Caballero got rid of a a lot of players. Resistance and Takwari, I believe, are the ones that are going to have pretty much a whole new roster for the Clausura. It'll be interesting to see what kind of signings they did and what kind of team they can build up. Uh, We had about 20, 25 days without competition. That's that's enough time, I believe, to, to get teams ready. But you have signings that will just keep on coming to the practices, right? I mean, teams can actually... Uh, higher uh, up until June 28th. So we're going to have the the tournament being played and maybe we'll see new faces around the third or fourth week uh, of this clausura. That's something that will happen, especially because like you were saying, Roberto, so much is at stake in this clausura. You got relegation, you got three spots out of the four still in Libertadores. Totally open. You got four spots in Sudamericana. You got the Copa Paraguay that will uh, go into the final stages. So uh, there's a lot at stake. A lot of people say the best part of, of the year here, uh, football-wise in Paraguay is this second half of the year. Uh, you have half a million a- a dollars also in, in money, uh, in prize money. Again, just like Libertad that gap for, for the apertura. That's something always important for, for teams that, that need that kind of money. But like Olivia does right now, Olivia that that that's already thinking about how much money they can make against Flamengo in the Libertadores. something that's been talked about lately. And and I think the, the big uh, news in this clausura will be to see really young players, guys. I mean we we have this new rule under 18 now. We had I believe we had under 19, we had under 20 before, but we're never under 18. So we're gonna have teenagers pretty much running in there. Uh, I want to see what kind of players we have already. The big teams, obviously, are the ones that usually uh, put out good, good players. We've seen Libertad use a whole bunch already this year. They have, a, uh, they have three or four players that they can use. Uh, Olívia has two or three. Uh, Cerro, like Rafa was saying, they, they, they don't need to put, put him in probably these first couple of weeks because uh, they can use the minutes from the players that are playing in the Libertadores under 20. Uh, Alexis Pari- uh, Parinho was one of the players that was used by Cerro Porteño lately. We'll, we'll see what kind of new faces. We'll see if a, a bright new star also comes comes about in this uh, uh, club suit. But I, I'm looking forward to it, Ralph. I, I don't know if you're thinking the same. There's so much at stake here that, I don't know, even Luqueño might surprise. Might be a, a, a surprise too. Roberto did not mention Luqueño.
2: Yeah, that, I was actually going to mention Luqueño because of Two things really. One, they signed Lucas Barrios, which I think is very interesting. But also the the coach, right? The the coach is César Caceres, who was the, the coach of Olympia, won the title and and has proved himself as, as actually a very a very smart manager. And he's kind of didn't get any other opportunities because all the big clubs are are sewn up. He could never go to Cerro, I think, because of his attachment to Olympia. So, so he's picked up Luqueño and, and that's really interesting to see if he can start a project there and do something with them. Um, again, I don't I don't think uh, Luqueño will, will challenge for the title, but now thinking of Copa Sudamericana, that could be a great way for them who they've just come back into Primera to then get that chance. And you mentioned, yeah, Taqueria and Resistencia have totally changed their teams because they, they have to, they have to find something. I think of the two, I think Tacuary have made some quite smart signings, especially in defence. Um, they got Gaspar Servio in, in goal, who comes back to Paraguay after the last his last action in Paraguay was a crazy game with Guarani when uh, they they conceded two very late on to Cerro, so Cerro will win the title. So that that's interesting to see him back in in Paraguay. Um, and then I think the teams. I think we spoke at the top of the show a bit about Guarani. That Umbido is a very he's a very good coach. He's got a nice team working together there in, in Guarani. They they didn't play great, but they managed to finish finish fourth. So could they step up on there? Of course, there's going to be the Sudamericana, which might which might kind of distract attention. We always see that Libertad, they they do very well in the Apertura. They often don't do well in the Clausura because they really start to focus on their continental competition. So I think that could happen again, which kind of leaves the door open maybe for your Olympia Cerro or even someone like Nacional. Nacional are a team that if they could find goals, well, one thing they've struggled with was finding goals since Bruera left. If they're able to find that this year, this season, then maybe they can also uh, mount a title challenge. So I think we we got a really exciting Clausura coming up, and and like Feli was saying, like everybody's fighting for something. The way the the league structured, you only have twelve teams, but you end up pretty much. It's very rare that a team is playing for nothing when you come to the end of the, the league. They're either trying to go for Sua Americana or they're trying to avoid getting relegated. So I think uh, I think we got a, an exciting few months coming up.
0: So I guess to close this off, and this is really good discussion, I'd like to get predictions from all you guys. Who do you see winning the 2023 Closuda? Uh Ralph, since you were last, you will go first this time.
2: Oh, oh I'm not sure. I think... Well, I don't think Libertad will do it. I think Libertad often, like I was just saying, gets distracted. Olympia with an Olympia a sneaky outside bet. But, but they're... But they're going for Torres. so I think maybe they'll get distracted. I also don't think Cerro good enough, so I'm not sure who should pick it. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go out there, and I'm gonna say Guarani are gonna win the title.
0: Wow, that's a really, really. I, I thought you were gonna say like someone like then or like go really off. I mean, they I mean, are, are you feeling that way? Do you feel that there's someone that is non-traditional that could surprise a lot of us, or do you feel that maybe the the same you know, forces are going to win the uh, the Klausuda.
1: I'm surprised by Rob's call because, you know, Guarani stands there in the fourth place historically. I mean, it's Olímpia 46, Cerro Porteña 34, Libertad won their 23rd title last year, last uh, opportunity round. And Guarani sits in fourth place with 11 titles. Uh, those are the, the, the top teams here in Paraguay. Uh, I'm going to pick one of them, obviously, because they are the ones that, that win pretty much all the time, I'm actually going to go and say, go out of my way and say that Libertad is going to do it again. I I don't know why I just feel that way. I just think that all of these, these comebacks with the injuries and, and Carnero having such a depth in his roster, I think he's going to, to find that B team. I think he's going to find that that team that's just going to keep uh, being motivated in the local league, and that's something that he talked about. He wants to win this close to that. He's not going to be distracted, like Ralph was saying, maybe with the Sudamericana. Obviously, they're going to try to do a run in the Sudamericana, but this team was aiming, I believe, with to the Libertadores, so maybe the best way to close up this year is winning both titles in the local league and uh, heading to the Libertadores next year as a as a really strong team. So I'm sticking with Libertad this year. I don't know. I, I, I got it in the in the apertura. I, I think they're not gonna let me down in this class
0: Yeah, it's uh I think we're all gonna defer here. You know, Ralph said what I need and I'm going to go with Cedra on this one. I think I feel as if, though, with all these teams getting too distracted in their kind of international competitions, that it hopefully will allow Cedra. And historically, they always tend to do well in the second half of the seasons. They always tend to, you know, get close to titles more than Apertura titles. So I, I think they have. And, and for them, I think they understand the kind of responsibility to try to save their season. And I think for them getting these type of you know like you said fed these returns hopefully they can be um useful because certainly I think they have the the talent and the capacity whether or not Sava can find a winning formula is here to say is still left to say but I still think that just barely set a word on you I'm not saying they're going to win it like dramatically a couple of years ago like they did against what I need but I think they they will have enough of a of a push to hopefully win their their next their their first title in what would be like two years now uh, if they win this one. So yeah, I I'd, I'd say Cedar will win the, the Clausura, And I guess we're for, for to finish it off as well. Sorry. I thought we we're going to finish it off with the winners, but I thought let's let's finish it off with the teams being relegated because we have two teams that do need to get relegated to the intermedia. As I said, Takaru, Takuaru with 1,030 and Resistencia with 1,000 currently are below the, the pack for the, the, um, the relegation kind of average, so you know I'll go to Fede on this one. Do you see that changing any bit, or do you feel that maybe Libertad and sorry, I'm Resistencia, unfortunately, won't have enough to uh, to escape their uh, their their dangers of getting relegated.
1: I'm gonna go with my heart on this one just because I like the teams from the countryside. I, I love seeing those those games in the countryside, so I'm I'm, I'm gonna root for General Caballero. Uh, the, the second part of the year, I want to see them out, outside of that Redstone, and you know, I'm gonna go for those teams that don't bring much to the first division, like Resistencia. Yeah, you know, these teams, are, they don't bring much passion, they don't bring much crowds to the game. So, yeah, you know, I, I would say Resistencia is gonna leave the 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 category at the at the end of the year, the division, and the other team. Yeah, and there, that that one is really hard because Taquari, I don't know what I'm gonna see out of them. Their numbers are really hard right now, but I don't know. I think I, I think Whiteenia could have a meltdown. To be honest, I, I think Whiteenia. If they they if they don't get their stuff together quickly, if the manager doesn't show this, his stuff, um, I, I think Whiteenia. I'm gonna go with Whiteenia. I'm gonna stick with General Caballero staying, and uh, General and uh, Resistencia are my candidates to be relegated at the end of the year
2: yeah i i can see resistencia as well i think it's difficult for them like we were saying they've just totally changed their team made all these signings but there's nothing that stood out that made you think they they've built a good group there they can keep them keep them out so i think resist resistencia is my number one candidate i feel tech could i quite like the way they have they put that team together so i feel they could do something to to get out of danger and then that leaves i think as Fede mentions, Guayrenia and General Caballero. And so of those two, I'm gonna go the other way. I feel General Caballero could be the one that, that make the drop with less less experience in top division.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I I, I really think that General Caballero is not gonna have a good season. So I see them dropping off and I think resistencia as well. It's it's I, I think Taguadu and Guaidenia kind of save their seasons in a way and have a really good push to the uh, to the second half of the of the Paraguayan League. So, obviously, a lot will be played in this uh, interesting Clausura race. Obviously, the Earth Hour in Suevani, Ghana, happening for these teams in the beginning of August. So, we'll be focusing on that as we close out another great episode of Guarani Vision for myself, Roberto Rojas, Fede Perez, and Ralph Hanna. Thank you so much for listening in. See you soon.